0: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on
1: 630
2: Chad. All right. Hope your Friday's off to a great start. I know what I'll be doing in an hour. Bring on Grogu, the Mandalorian baby. Can't get enough of that baby Yoda. Well, baby Yoda's in peril. I don't want to say too much in case you're not caught up on the show, but uh, there's been a bit of a tough twist in the plight of little Grogu. As we work through the Mandalorian, Star Trek Discovery last night enjoyed that episode cliffhanger ending. Cliffhanger ending on old Star Trek Discovery. Got to see what happens with Giorgio next week. Do love those shows. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Former D man Mark writing back. He says, uh, geez, read now. You've given me a costume to wear while playing table hockey." So I can now can confirm former D-man Mark will dress as Queen Elizabeth while he plays table hockey. Not sure if he's going to go for a, a younger queen or a middle-aged queen or you know a more senior queen. He says, no, I'm not the president of the Edmonton Table Hockey League. Regrettably, the ETHL observed a pause back in March and then cancellation in July. Season, season revenue lost as well as lucrative playoff revenue. Altogether, a tough year for a professional table hockey player, LOL. That is from former D-man Mark, who uh, usually has something clever to say whenever he writes in. World Juniors, 25 players picked for Team Canada, including Oilers prospect Dylan Holloway, Sherwood Parks, Caden Gooley, Kirby Uh, Kirby Dock from the Chicago Blackhawks, who's from Fort Saskatchewan. He's already played in the NHL, so he's going to be a big part of that team. Team's looking good. Should be the favorite to win gold. The tournament starts on Christmas Day at Rogers Place, and Canada's first game is on Boxing Day, and it is uh, all systems go at the moment for the tournament, despite some of the other regulations that uh, the rest of us are facing because of COVID. Okay, Tyler Benson. 22 years of age, drafted by the Oilers in 2016, got into seven NHL games last season. Now playing for the GCK Lions in the Swiss League. Tyler, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for checking in. It's it's good to talk to you. And man, who knows where your hockey career is going to take you? First of all, just just tell me about take us back a few weeks and getting the assignment to go play in, in Switzerland? What was the the whole move like and, and uh, getting the news and getting over there?
3: Yeah, I think it was just maybe a few weeks after being in, in the bubble or something like that that uh, I got a call from the organization, and my agent, uh, just saying that uh, there's a chance that I could be Going to Europe uh, at first when I got the call, we had no idea where it was going to be, uh, Sweden or Switzerland or Finland, uh, lots of places uh, were on the tail, but uh, finally uh, I was told I was coming to Switzerland and uh, I've been happy to be here, it's a, it's a beautiful country and I've enjoyed the experience.
2: Yeah. So getting to fit in with, with the team right away. I'm I'm curious, tell me a little bit about the, the nationalities of some of your teammates, maybe the languages that are spoken. I don't know if you've had to pick up some new, uh, (laughs) new words or along the way, what's that been like? Yeah, it's been
3: different, uh, it, um, the language that the guys speak uh, in my dressing room uh, mainly is uh, German. That's the uh, kind of area that we're in. But uh, for me, uh, it's been a little bit tougher just uh, trying to communicate. But, uh, no, they've been, they've been really good. They, they do speak lots of English as well, and, and the coach uh, does on the ice as well. So that, that's helped out a lot.
2: Okay. What about, what about hockey? I, obviously, you're playing on a, on a different size ice surface. And is do you find it really different the style of game or the quality of the players? Tell us what it's like when you're out on the ice.
3: Yeah, I guess the first thing you notice when uh, when I show up to the rink is just how wide it was. Uh, it's it's an adjustment for sure. Uh, it's a little bit different of a game. Uh, a lot more skating out there. Um, uh, but, uh, no, it's it's been good. Uh, I've kind of gotten used to it a little more as the season's gone on so far. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how it's going to feel to go back onto the North American ice. Right? Is the game
2: as physical or is it physical in a different way? What can you tell us there?
3: Uh, yeah, no, I'd say it's uh, less physical. A lot more uh, puck possession um, entries. Uh, you don't have to dump it in as much. But, uh, no, it's... Uh, it's it's been different it's been but it's been good
2: okay well, what about the crowd support i mean look you you grew up in edmonton and now you're an oiler so you know uh there's eighteen thousand people in the rink and hundreds of thousands <laughs> watching on tv or listening on the radio what's it like being a, a hockey player there what's the support and the the coverage like
3: just with the, the rules there's uh, not many people that are allowed in the rink so it, it's been a little bit different it's uh it uh, not uh, not much of an audience, but uh, there are a few few fans in the rink, and uh, you even have uh, a couple couple of the fans uh, sitting behind the net banging on the drums the whole game. They just don't stop. So it's been a different different experience seeing that. Uh, it Definitely uh, gets us going a little bit here in that drum.
2: Well, that's good because I, that's kind of a staple of a lot of European events is that the crowds are pretty rowdy. So that's even though it's it's small, you could still know how big is your rink
3: um i'm not too sure how many it holds it's not uh, not a huge rank at all uh it's, it's probably smaller than what i played in junior uh probably holds about a, a few thousand uh but uh yeah no it's a little smaller and uh, it's a really cold drink too <laughs> oh is it okay yeah it's, it's freezing when we get in there but it's good
2: okay well, how do you feel you've uh, you've been playing i think you're just under a point of games uh stats wise uh, how do you feel you've been playing
3: I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I think uh, right now I have about, actually over, I'm about 15 points in my 13 games that I've played. Uh, so I think offensively uh, I've been doing just fine. Uh want to keep improving that, uh, try, and, try and get those numbers up as I can, but uh, I'm happy with my game. Uh, just uh, trying to keep working hard and, and just keep improving.
2: Yeah. yeah. Tyler Benson joining us tonight. On Inside Sports, he's playing for the GCK Lions in the Swiss League as we uh, await for the National Hockey League to get going here. Tell me a little bit about what you've known. Obviously, I know things are different with, with the pandemic and, and people can't gather the way that we're, that we're used to, but what do, you, what do you find about the lifestyle there? I, I know some Canadians maybe have found the, the pace different of, of life when they go to Europe. What have you noticed?
3: Yeah, I find it just uh, just kind of, it's busier. I mean, you walk the streets, uh, everyone's walking pretty fast. I mean, big, big difference that I've noticed has kind of been driving. You have to be ca- really careful when you're uh, on the streets. I mean, people are just kind of crossing crossing the roads whenever they want. So it's been uh, a bit different. I think the, the word, I guess, fast-paced kind of
2: sums it up. Okay. And what about, this? tell me about the scenery and the weather.
3: Uh, the scenery is uh, beautiful. I mean, uh I mean, I look out my window right now, and there's mountains. Uh, right now, it's it's been snowing these past few days, but uh, that only started recently. So the weather's been really good too, and uh, I can't complain with uh, with the area that I'm living in.
2: All right, uh, how how's how's your diet? Is there are there any adjustments food wise?
3: Uh, I've been keeping it uh, pretty simple, kind of what I'd be doing in North America. I haven't changed up a whole lot at all, and uh, just trying to stay as healthy as I can.
2: Okay. What about just uh, I you know I, I believe your your girlfriend was with you for a while, but uh, you know socially has it been a, a, a pretty big adjustment? Have, is it easy to to meet people and and hang out with your teammates? What's that side been like? You're you're a long way from home, obviously.
3: Yeah, no, it's been good with my teammates. I mean, uh, just getting more comfortable from now now from the start it's been good uh getting to know the teammates a lot better uh, every time i show up at the rink it's nice uh everyone's communicating with me i've enjoyed it uh away from the rink uh we uh, don't spend a whole lot of time together but on the bus trips when when we are together uh, we try and have some fun and even play a little bit of poker on the bus which has uh, been good for me and it's been a lot of fun
2: how often do you practice and play if you were to compare that to kind of what you've been through through junior and as a pro Um,
3: I'd say we're probably two or three games a week and then practicing the rest, uh, usually about one day off a week.
2: Okay. So pretty similar to what you're used to then. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, and how are you feeling just about playing the waiting game a little bit in terms of coming back to North America? There's a little more news this week about a possible start date. We'll see. Obviously we got to figure some things out, but how much attention are you paying to that?
3: Uh, not a whole lot, really. I'm just kind of trying to do the best I can right now to make sure that whenever the time comes that I'm ready. Uh, I don't know a whole lot that's going on right now, but uh, when the time comes, I just know that uh, I will be ready uh, for, for the camp and uh, for the season to start.
2: What sports do you watch on television or follow there? Can you can you follow NFL or uh, things that are going on here, or is it like all soccer on TV all the time? <laughs>
3: I uh, haven't been watching any of the sports here really, uh, but uh, just watching NFL back home uh, streaming it is uh, is what I've been doing mostly.
2: <laughs> okay, cool. Well, Tyler, we appreciate you checking in. Hopefully uh, we're doing this uh, – well, I don't know if we're going to be doing it in person this year, but with you wearing Oilers colors in the near future. But we appreciate you checking in from Switzerland. I'm glad to hear things are going well for you there, and uh, it's the experience you're always going to carry with you, man. So enjoy it while you're there. All right. Thanks for having me. Catching up with Tyler Benson. Maybe he will be heading back to Edmonton soon for an Oilers training camp, uh, really enjoying his time in Switzerland. We had someone call in uh, asking uh, Angie Quinnell's operating in the studio tonight about the the World Juniors. If any teams have lost some players, Uh, there have been teams who have lost players, uh, the Americans, the Swiss, off the top of my head. But at the moment, it's all 10 teams who are in the tournament are still in the tournament and, and Hockey Canada has said they could go with just eight teams if for some reason entire rosters of clubs had to be pulled out but as I said everything is, is on track for the tournament to be held. Seven we'll check in with Dave Campbell when we get back Don't forget, you get a canned ham with that podcast. We're behind delivering because of the pandemic. Man, oh man, when things are a little more back to normal, I'm going to be busy driving canned hams all over northern Alberta. Maybe I'll buy a drone and I'll just put program in the coordinates and the drone will just drop the canned ham on your front lawn. That's what I'm going to do. He is the producer of this show. Next week, he's going to be hosting, as I will be on holidays such as it is, Welcome, Dave Campbell, back to the airwaves. Dave, how are you
1: doing? I'm great, Reid. I I, I first off want to apologize for my New England Patriots who did your team a favor earlier in the season, like a couple weeks back, beating the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Not so much last night, buddy, against the LA Rams. Sorry, man.
2: Well, that's okay. The Seahawks (laughs) have to do themselves a favor. If they can't beat the uh, winless New York Jets, they, they don't deserve to be contending for a division title or possibly a playoff spot. But, man, oh, man, like, Dave... Look, in the Patriots, the last two decades, pretty much unprecedented in the history of the NFL. We knew they might not be the same this year. I, I wasn't, I I didn't think that, and look, I know they're still kind of, sort of, maybe flirting with a playoff spot. Um, but man, oh man, like I, I just get the sense if they get down 10 points, it's pretty much done, especially against a better team like Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, they're the only all- Ultimate front runners aren't they like I, I, they just don't breed confidence that if they get behind by any any more than uh than uh, a one possession deficit that they're uh that they're hooped right and i believe uh, i saw this yesterday yeah i did uh Elias sports bureau says the patriots are the set only a second team in nfl history to win a game by 45 points and then lose a game by over 20 so <laughs> that's, oh, that swing is crazy right so Uh, yeah they just don't have the consistent quarterback play with Cam Newton who looked who looked like 2015 Cam Newton in uh, week two against your uh, against your Seahawks that was a tremendous game one of the best games in the NFL this season but uh, he did uh, he did he did uh, test positive for COVID-19 so that might have slowed him up a little bit but then he came back and he had three terrible games and then um, they basically said, we're going to run the football and not have Cam Newton throw the football, and he's been part of the rushing attack. He's been pretty good this year, too. Uh, hes uh, I read the other day, the 2nd he's second in the uh, NFL in uh, rush yards after contact. So he's still tough. He gets, he's got 11 touchdowns, uh, but they're a run-heavy team. They don't have a lot of receiving options. Uh, Julian Edelman just came off the COVID-19 list today. Uh, Keneal Harry, who's a Canadian, uh, receiver uh, uh, is their best receiver and he's not he's not all that seasoned yet so uh, good defensive play lately Stefan Gilmore's looked great since uh, coming back off of his uh, COVID run and uh, or his COVID uh, time on the COVID list and some injury troubles as well uh, the defense is pretty good uh, again but yeah they're just not consistent on offense and they just they got to decide what they're going to do at quarterback and I would think Cam Newton would not factor into that perhaps.
2: Yeah, fair comment. Well, thanks in advance. Uh, you're going to be taking over the show next week while I get in the uh, my last week of uh, of time off for for 2020. So thanks for for stepping in there. We'll see. Yeah. You, you might have you might have the big news, Dave. You might have the big. <laughs> <laughs> you might have the NHL finally announcing something, so we can stop speculating about dates and all that kind of stuff.
1: I expect expect the text oh oh wilkie looks down at his phone No, oh, campbell wants him wants his time tonight because I'll, he I'll, glad, about...
2: I'll gladly do that i'll gladly do that
1: i know you will because we've been waiting for so long for this and i thought we'd be in the bag by now and uh we'd be talking about uh training camp starting in i don't know three weeks uh, i mean wait we might still be talking like that next week but uh it, it's been the struggle to to get to this point or to get to the point where they're gonna play so uh, I still believe they're going to play. Um, I, I don't know why they wouldn't play at this point, even though you know we had Chris Johnson on earlier in the week uh, from uh, the NHL on Sportsnet saying could be up to five to ten owners that might not want to play, which is a high number. But you know Gary Bettman's a very influential commissioner, and he usually gets what he wants, and uh, he has sold the vision on why they should play. And I totally agree why they should play because uh, out of the four sports leagues, this is the one league that can't afford to uh, get out of the. Uh, uh the, the viewers eyesight uh are just in the minds of uh especially in the u.s it's not a canadian problem it's uh you know there's a lot of centers in the u.s that need the nhl uh to be you know or the nhl needs those people in those centers non-traditional hockey markets to know that they exist so uh, i hope we're going to get the news next week it sounds like it, it could happen and um i think there's a lot more weight to it now reed and unlike the last two weeks when it's like, well, they're talking, we don't know. We don't know. It sounds like we're very close to, you know, voting happening from uh, the board of governor's side and the NHLPA executive board. And um, good chance. Maybe you and I are doing uh, some airtime next week.
2: Well, I hope so. Dave, thanks for stepping in next week. It'll be fun to listen to you. Hope you and the family have a great weekend, buddy. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Thanks. Same to you. Enjoy your week off. And I, I know we'll be talking
2: yeah absolutely thanks dave he'll be in the host chair from his house next week on inside sports i can't remember the last time i had a week off in december certainly a different schedule for everybody with uh without hockey coming up here well it's coming up but without hockey actually going on in december but uh, you'll have fun with dave and i'm sure you'll hear from me especially if we get an announcement about the national hockey league okay so we got a dude coming up who like I I don't know the full story. We're gonna find it out, but I'm 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 enticed by this story. He went golfing and then decided he would just build his own golf course. And it's been going strong ever since. So we'll we'll meet this wacky gentleman when we get back. All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight. Well, I'm really looking forward to this next segment. Let's just dive right in. Please welcome to the show, Jason Haslett. Jason, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? I am doing
4: fantastic, Reed. It's certainly a pleasure to be on with you. I listen to you all the time there, so uh, it's, uh, it's pretty cool.
2: All right. Well, you're the one, so thank you for listening. Yeah. Now, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's just rewind. I'm just going to let this story unfold from the beginning. Uh, well, no, actually, let yeah. me ask you this first. Where, 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 do you, where are you calling in from? Where do you live right now? I live just west of Black Falls is where I'm at, Reed. I'm actually kinda of between Gull Lake and
4: Silver Lake, basically right in the middle.
2: Black Falls, I believe adding an AGHL team called the Bulldogs for next season, so I'm looking yeah. forward to that. Yeah, so right. you you uh, you have a golf course yeah. and it's called uh, Moose Meadows, Moose You actually have a really good website for it. But oh, tell thank us you, my wife will like that. Oh good but but <laughs> tell us like this is your golf course. This is truly yeah. your golf course. So take us back yeah. and tell us what possibly possessed you to, to build it. a golf course.
4: Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I was, I was going to U of A at the time and uh, doing a I don't know if I'm doing a science degree at that time, I believe. And some buddies and I wanted to go golfing in the uh, the spring, so we went down to uh, your River Valley and your beautiful city there of Edmonton, and uh, went to uh, it was a Victoria Golf and Country Club. And they had the temporary greens. So I think we paid like 15 or 20 bucks, or whatever to get out there and do 18 And we just had an absolute riot. And, of course, the putts aren't, you know, perfect and everything, and they're kind of going all over, but irrelevant. We just had such a fun time. And then went into the clubhouse after, and having a root beer with the friends and such, they're chatting away there, decided, you know what I said to them? I said, I think I'm going to build my own golf course. And uh, that was... I don't know, 27, 28 years ago, I guess. And uh, that summer, I started building my own golf course. And uh, I built a part three golf course, nine holes. And now, were you a
2: little course. Were you a golfer before you went out with your buddies? Did you play regularly? Oh, yeah.
4: Yeah, I golfed a lot. A lot. Of course, going to U of A, going to school and such, I couldn't afford to have a membership and such. But uh, yeah, I golfed around a lot of the local courses around, uh, you know, Red Deer and Sylvan and so forth for sure.
2: Yeah. Now, where did you get the land for your
4: course? So my my grandfather got back from World War uh, I in 1920, and he bought some land right outside of Red Deer, and you've probably heard of the number two highway and uh, the 11A highway, which goes straight into Sylvan. And so he bought that parcel of land, and then uh, we've had it in the family ever since uh, 1920, so it's actually 100 years now that I think about it right now. So we've had it in the family for years. Yeah, so, and my dad had a hay field basically, and uh, it wasn't, we didn't have really cattle or anything at that time, and so I asked my dad if we could, you know, make a couple of holes, and we literally just went down there with a, with a with a swather, and he just sort of lowered it as low as it would, and just cut the grass, and then we spent hours with friends of mine and such just raking the grass, because of course you got to get the grass off, and then once we had that off. We just started cutting it lower with originally an old sickle mower. And then uh, as years went by, we uh, lined up a teacher. I teach high school in Bentley, which uh, is another asset to have my own golf course. I'll get to that in a bit. But uh, basically, I had a fellow teacher that was retiring, and he had a tree farm. And he was thinning out his spruce trees and and other trees that he had because they were kind of too close the way he had planted them. And so he phoned me up and said, Jason, i got a bunch of trees I want to give you for your course. And I, I thought, you know, he's going to give me 10 trees, 15 trees. But then he went over there, and I think I probably loaded 50 trees and went back for another load, another 50. So I put 100 trees again, you know, probably about 2 feet of height. And now those trees, of course, are 25, 30 feet of, of height, and it's just a, a filled-in, very, very mature golf course. It's so when you... Now.
2: When you, when you were first doing it, yeah. did you find it difficult to decide on the layout or make sure there was variety in the holes? Because obviously you're taking this yeah. seriously. You just don't want nine straight, flat, 150-yard par threes.
4: Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And I, I did do that, but I'll be honest, I wasn't as, what's the word, articulate when I started making the tee boxes and such because I just want to get a mate. in me and I just want to, put some stakes in the ground and the five gallon buckets that we were hitting them towards and then you know then i started to work up the ground and started to read on the internet on how to build proper greens and so forth and uh, then i would start to go back into the trees i'd push back and build my tea boxes back in the trees we got a creek that goes right through the course as well and i put a, a beautiful tea box on top of the creek kind of on top of a of a hill and it's kind of level with the green as you look through the valley so I, I, at first, I'll be honest, Reed. they were kind of, you know, just sort of straight holes. But then as the trees come in and I move greens and I started to bring more dirt in to put contours and, and so forth. And, yeah, it just evolved over the many years. Yeah.
2: So who maintains the course? I mean, that's it's not yeah. easy to look after a golf course. No. I mean, I, I often golf early, early morning rounds. I'll go to Riverside or Devon or wherever. And there's yeah. dozens of people out there working on the course to get it in shape for the day.
4: That's right. And, and what I spoke about earlier there, read uh, being a teacher, you know, I, and I don't want to say that I've got an un, uh, unlimited labor force, but I've got an unlimited amount of students that want to golf, if you think about it. So I would have a lot of those students come out because I, I coach the golf team in Bentley here where I teach, and they would come out and, and golf and so forth, and then often they would help me do stuff and trade or trade off kind of labor for, for free golf because I – I'm not in it for monetary reasons i'm in it for uh how do i word this just love of sport and just getting people out and so forth Eh. so i and then i would hire students in the summer to help me maintain it uh, my dad being a, a retired farmer was incredible with you know driving the equipment and everything i trust him more than i trust myself with the equipment to be quite honest so i maintain it myself i usually hire uh, one uh, staff or one staff type of thing in the summer as well to to help me. So it's good. Now I've got I've got a son that helped me cut greens, and I got another son. Like it's bizarre telling people that the head greenskeeper of my golf course is a 12 year old. Which is bizarre. Like I have a big tournament in August, and I introduce him as my head greenskeeper, and That's people awesome. are just like. Are you serious? I'm like, yeah, I'm dead serious. He actually drives the greens mower. He, he fertilizes the greens. He waters the greens and everything. And uh, he's 12 years old, which is pretty cool.
2: Jason Hazlitt joining us tonight on Inside Sports. He is the uh, owner, designer of everything for uh, Moose Metals Golf and Country Club, moosemetals.net. Um yep. I'm actually getting a couple of questions on the text line for you, which I will get to. How many rounds a year do you think are played at Moose Metals? Oh,
4: I would say like this year with COVID, of course, when it came out, when it came uh, this spring, everyone just kind of wanted to get out and so forth. But with their families, you know, with their own cohorts and such. I, ha- I was inundated with friends wanting to get out and everything. And I, I encourage it because I built the course for people to golf, but I would probably say, oh, five, 600 grounds from people.
2: And do you play? Yeah. How often do you play?
4: Well, it, it's funny Reed, i tell people that people ask me how good of a golfer i am and i always say you're not a good golfer when you got your own golf course because what are you doing you're constantly working on the golf course but um i've i've had my my tournament that i have in august it's an invitational tournament for about twenty twenty three 23 years I think it's 23 annual right now and uh i i won it twice in 23 years so, I, you know, I'll be honest, and I attribute that to the fact that I don't golf as much as I should just because I got my own course and such, and I want to make sure it's maintained for people that come out and golf. So, I golf a fair bit, but not as much as I want to. Yeah.
2: And now it's a par three, and it's been around over two decades. How many aces have there been?
4: That's a very good question. Um, I think I've got a, like, it's funny because I got one of the outhouses there, and I got kind of a list in there, but I got six. <laughs> Six, six, uh, six hole-in-ones. One of them was kind of scary. We had a grade 11 class there, and, there, and I was there with my physette teacher, uh, with the te- and we heard all this screaming going on, and we're like, oh, my God, someone got hit with a ball or a club. So we jumped in a cart and flew out into the meadow there to see what was going on, and the kids are all jumping up and down. One of the students, I think he golfed his second time in his entire life, never been on a golf course, he hit a hole-in-one on about a 145-yard hole absolutely incredible first time on a golf
2: course (laughs) that's awesome pretty cool oh yeah yeah. well he got it out of the way early in his career I'm still waiting for do you have an ace at your course or anywhere I I have
4: never hit a hole in one at my golf course (laughs) um I I, I still like every time somebody gets one I I swear a little bit under my breath because why can't I get one you know um I've got one before a different course but not at mine so yeah it's quite funny
2: that's amazing well I, I mean this this is such a cool story i, I mentioned you, know, you do I, I will direct people to the website for more info too and of course you've yeah, given us sure. great stuff but it's moose dot net yeah. a couple yeah. people are asking uh where is it exactly is it is it worth you trying to describe it or should they just go well, online
4: it's interesting if they go to the website there's actually a map on there but my last name is Hazlitt and uh the 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 lake that's named after uh, my grandfather is called Hazlitt Lake and if you just look on that on any google map it's it's on Hazlitt Lake I tell people okay. and it's basically the uh but but here's the catch read it's it's kind of my invite in that sense that people just sort of go to the website send me a message hey I heard you on read Wilkins show can I come golfing and then I'm like yeah absolutely you know come out there what day or whatever, and then they're out there, and I'm usually working or whatever, and get the people going and such and I kind of have a a little bin there where they can put a donation in for the uh for the workers and and what have you but like I keep saying i'm not I'm not doing it for profit i've I've donated my course to many many charities um, you know victim services out a red deer comes out there quite often and and there's a family, an immigrant family, that uh, lost their their house in Red Deer, or their fourplex, the one they were renting, actually got called, caught on fire. And we had a, a fellow that I run with in Red Deer, my running club in Red Deer, and he approached me, asked if they could do a, a golf tournament there. And I said, absolutely. And we raised thousands of dollars for this, for this family and such, and boys and girls clubs and so forth. My school, like I said, we had a cross-country meet there we have every year that's organized out of a high school in Red Deer. So that, that's why I built it, you know, just for stuff like that.
2: Yeah. But, well, but th- that's that's awesome. This is such a cool story. I, I want to come play your course. Hopefully, I can get down there. Uh, get down there in the summer. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm horrible, but at least if it's a par three, <laughs> I, my score will appear lower, even if I'm still way over par.
4: We <laughs> we would love to have you, but I just got to give you one warning. Um, the 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 land that I'm talking about was annexed by the city of Red Deer in 2009. Is going to be developed. So a story for another day, though, is that I'm in the process of moving my golf course. When you talk, when you said you got a wacky dude uh, coming on, this guy is wacky. I'm building another one because I'm wait, you're losing this course. Course. one. I'm going to lose this golf course. It's going to be two thousand houses. It's going to be the newest development in Red Deer.
2: Yeah. Well, as of when? How, well, is it? Is it? Will it still be open this summer? Well,
4: absolutely. You see, the, the thing is, we're developing and our family and such. And the, the thing is we're waiting for the Alberta economy to turn around before you start, you know, obviously developing and such. But in the meantime, we're at my home place where I live. I'm roughing out another golf course. That's amazing. Another, another par 3 golf course. So that's, like I said, a story for another day. So, But, uh, yeah, and I've and I got lots of work done on it this summer, so it's pretty cool.
2: Well that is that is cool we'll have to have you on again to uh, t- to keep updated but again uh, moosemeadows.net if people want to yeah. check it out uh, Jason Hazlitt is on the line you mentioned Hazlitt Lake so it's H-A-Z-L-E-T-T. hey this That's this right. was fun man Th- thanks for uh, thanks for listening to the show and uh, maybe we can we can get a canned ham to put up as a prize at, at next year's tournament
4: <laughs> I love it Rita. enjoy your week off. And uh, remember, just send me a note there in the summer. And like I said, come on and golf.
2: Yeah, for sure. Appreciate it, Jason. You'll- Take care. Yeah, you got to read. Well, there is a really cool story. Uh, yeah, he just thought he could do it. So he did it. He built a golf course. And, and really, as he said, not really for profit to get people golfing. Takes his high school students out there. And if the kids want to play in the summer, they help maintain it. And then they they get some rounds of golf in return. Wow, that was really cool. Jason Haslett checking in, and there's going to be another one. I don't know if it'll be Moose Meadows again or something else, but he's uh, Moose Meadows is going to be developed by the city of Red Deer, so he'll build another par 3. That is really cool. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Hey. Greg from Red Deer says, Hey, Reed, I've been playing on Jason's golf course for 20-plus years. Jason's Moose Meadows Invitational has been the highlight of my summers. Personality, devotion, and hard work in creating a golf course from scratch is truly a testament to his passion to the game of golf. Yeah, Jason has let's start it up Moose Metals, Moosemetals.net, get it online. That was fun. And that was a story suggestion we got through email, inside sports at six thirty Ched. Dot com. I'm always happy when a listener suggests a segment to the show. Now, just because you email me and suggest it doesn't, you know, mean for sure we're going to put it on. But Dave and I will always consider it and look into it and think it would be uh, interesting to the majority of you. Then we'll definitely do it. And that's where the idea for uh, Jason's golf course came from. So that's uh, that's awesome. Don't forget, you can also get me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins R E I D W I L K. Ins. You could send me a direct message on Twitter as well. All right. Well, just to uh, touch on the NHL storyline a little bit here, Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet, he's been very on top of everything going on with the National Hockey League. He's on Oilers now with Bob Stauffer every Friday. And today he talked to Stauffer about the biggest question remaining
0: for the NHL. I think we're going to play like, 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 you know, like, I I think we're playing Bob. I I mean, the biggest question is like, are we going to like, the question is not the will to play. It's COVID. Um, right. You know, uh, there, there are certainly, Bob, people in the league who don't believe we'll start January 13th. They right. understand why the target's there. It, it creates the proper mentality, but this is out of our hands. Like, the light at the end of the tunnel is coming. You know, we, we, the vaccines are coming, but it's not going to stop what's going to happen in the next two months if you listen to all the experts and um, so I I simply look at it as um, you know I I think that like we're going to give it a run we're going to see what what can happen I'm I wouldn't bet on every team playing 56 games there's going to be some cancellations here and there and they're going to put it into the schedule that you know a week or two after the regular season before the playoffs starts in case they have to make up games but it's going to be a challenge they're going to try Bob we're going to We're going to play, but it's going to be a huge challenge.
2: Friedman also commented on reports that the NHL is looking into a way to buy vaccines privately.
0: Well, I mean, from what I learned about these companies who make the vaccine, is you generally keep about 5% to sell privately. And, you know, I look, if the NHL is is looking at this, all the leagues are looking at this. And I'm sure there's yep. a number of private companies that we never hear about are looking at this. The way you just have to handle it is properly. And, you know, unfortunately, last night it, 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 was, it didn't come out in a way that was really good for the NHL. But what I think is this, and I, and I followed that story up, they're not getting it before, like, first responders and, right. and the people who really need it. Those people, I think, are getting it first. Um, But when it becomes available for purchase, yes, I do think they will try to see. Now, the other thing, though, that is still a conversation here, Bob, is will the vaccine be mandatory? Um, You know, like... I'm not really interested in getting into the politics of all of nope. this. It's it's a much bigger conversation, but you know, can they make the, Can they make it mandatory? If somebody says they don't want to take it, you know, what does that mean? And you know, can or will they do anything about it? Like that is part of this conversation. So I think all of these things are kind of connected. So yes, I would expect the NHL, like several other leagues and companies, to look at could we purchase the vaccine no I don't expect them to be able to jump the line to get it first but I think also the question is is it going to be mandatory
2: all right good stuff as always from Elliot Friedman you can get his full interview if you get Bob's podcast or there's now with Bob stoffer or go to the show page on 630chett.com same deal with inside sports but Bob does not offer you a canned ham though he sends you a tree and then he later comes and plants it Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Angie Quinnell, the studio operator tonight, in for Kellen Kennedy. You heard from Jason Haslett, Dave Campbell, Tyler Benson, Jody Shelley, and Jelena Mergenovich. Remember, she is fighting on Thursday in Los Angeles defending her WBA featherweight belt. Hey, thanks for tuning in. My name's Reed. Have a great weekend.
0: 630Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630Chad.